Hi, everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 114, Commitment Devices. I am shocked that you didn't know what this was. Well, until I have one on my ring finger about right here. A week. <laughs> that is not a commitment. <laughs> I get it now. Never mind. <laughs> is, is that what you're referring to, uh, the dear wife of mine? No, that is not the type of commitment device that we talk about in economics. Commitment devices are things that, and I think this is the f- one of those classic examples of a term that I know because I'm an economist and yeah. I've read a lot of books on econ. Talk doctor, to a lot of economists. Doctor, professor. Yes, I am. Lawyer. A, I am. I'm not a lawyer, but I am. I do have a PhD in economics, and I teach economics as a professor. Um, but so I guess I know a little bit about this. But all that to say, yeah. <laughs> I just I thought this was a term everyone knew, and I especially thought it was a term you would have known because no. it really is part of this kind of behavioral science. It is. It's just in that ether. If you if you read books or read papers in the behavioral science literature, or the kind of even in the pop psychology literature to some extent, you hear the term commitment devices. So I thought this was a term that you certainly would have known. I also just I guess I thought it was more widely under like a more widely known term. I am wildly wrong. So I I normally have a pretty good sense of like what others won't. No, from economics, because mm-hmm. which I, is most of it. I usually, usually assume people know nothing about econ. So, and I, like, I think I'm pretty good at recognizing like where people are at when it comes to like previous knowledge. Yeah. That's my job is literally to know that when I'm teaching, right? But the the fact you didn't know what commitment devices were made me so shocked, and I thought this was such a useful tool because I. It's funny. I have colleagues. Or I had a colleague last year who I was describing how I set my office hours for earlier than I wanted to normally be on campus because it made me committed to being on campus earlier. This was Mm. last year. Um, And she kind of like just joked, oh, that's a heck of a commitment device. So it's like so well known that we can kind of like give one-off jokes about commitment devices. That lady is an econ? Also an economist, yeah. So I think it's it's just such a useful tool that, and I'm just shocked we haven't talked about it on the podcast. So Once you started uh, explaining what it was, it kind of like clued in a little bit. Yeah. You know? Um, And I'm sure you've heard of them. Yeah. We've even talked about them like indirectly without you calling them explicitly Ah, commitment devices. So we've definitely talked about stuff like this before. We just haven't put the label on it. I'm excited to learn from the professor today. <laughs> yeah, sure. But what is it? So at a very high level, they're very yeah. basically just a way to force yourself to do something that you know is going to be hard. And I, you, I mm. take that exact term from um, Stephen Dubner and Stephen Levitt, who are both, they wrote the Freakonomics books. Yeah. Um, they have the podcast, uh, Freakonomics, is it just called Freakonomics? Yeah. Freakonomics, Freakonomics Pod- Radio? Yeah, Freakonomics Radio is the whole channel. The pod. Freakonomics is the pod. Freakonomics podcast. pod. Yes. So Freakonomics, they came up or they kind of introduced or maybe popularized this idea because they definitely didn't create the idea. It's mm-hmm. been around a long time in game theory, for example. Um, but they basically introduced or popularized this idea that you can set up a commitment device to try to force yourself to do these things that are hard. And there are four basic types. So three with a bit of an asterisk on one. Um, 
that can do either try to make you do more of the things you want to do or make you do less of the things you don't want to do, right? So I'll give a few examples. So with uh, approach and avoidance goals. Yeah, basically. approach okay. and avoidance goals. That's a great way of putting it. Those were exactly the words I've been looking for. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, two types of goals. So with both types of goals, we can imagine these in our daily lives, right? Hmm. This uh, this whole concept came out of game theory, um, which is a field of, of mathematics and a field of economics. To me, this is the sexy part of economics is game theory. It does sound cool. Is it actually cool or is it like really boring? Impre- like what is game theory? You know, like are you able to <laughs> summarize it into a sentence kind of? I just spent like two weeks teaching game theory. Yeah. So I can't really summarize it in a sentence, but it's basically just taking into account the fact that your decisions are a function of what other people are going to do. And so you make decisions not in a vacuum. You make decisions by looking in the world around you and seeing how other people are making decisions as well and responding to that. Is it kind of like an economics of expectation? I don't even really know what that means. (laughs) Like what you expect (laughs) others to do. Yeah, so you're responding to other people's actions. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sorry to derail. It's interesting. I feel like I way oversimplified game theory. So if you're an economist, don't come at me. But all that to say, so, but this came out of game theory because it's also a way to kind of incentivize pro-social behaviors. Like everybody's heard of this prisoner's dilemma idea where where prisoner's dilemma is just a kind of, it's a loose term for games where if two players do the thing that's like high, they are incentivized to do no matter what the other person does, but that leads to a worse outcome for both overall, right? Classic example is where like you can either admit you did the the crime or rat the other person out and both both parties have the the incentive to rat the other person out and they both get a lot more jail time than if they both just stay twice. Or like in that game we were playing, uh, you can either take the money or leave the money. (laughs) And if one person takes it, they get it if the other person doesn't. But if both people take it, nobody gets it. Yeah. 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 So, And if nobody takes it, everybody gets to split it. Yes. But the key here is that if you coordinate or you have, you don't do the thing that you're personally incentivized to do, you have an outcome that everybody could benefit from, right? That's the idea of a prisoner's dilemma. And it is also, that's why we have commitment devices in game theory, because there's, you try to commit people to staying aligned with the thing that would lead to a mutually beneficial outcome, right? In the prisoner's dilemma, the example is have basically like some kind of proof, like photographic evidence that you could, that you both have on each other that commits you to both staying quiet, right? Because you have this incriminating evidence that you could use if the other person ratted you out. But the beautiful thing about commitment devices is it doesn't have to just apply to crime, right? You don't have to be a prisoner in a prisoner dilemma to think about commitment devices. You can also think about this as like your decisions now and your decisions in the future because those two things are often in conflict, right? We talk about this all the time, how following through on goals can be really hard. And people run into this, right? We want to be more productive. We want to be more active. We want to eat better. We want to stop smoking. There are all of these things that for the same reason we don't finish our New Year's resolutions, we also don't commit to meeting every single goal that we set because there's this difference between what we intend to do now Mm -hmm. and what we actually do in the future. The classic gap between our intentions and our actions that It keeps me in business. It keeps me writing books. (laughs) It keeps people buying books because 
We, we have the best of intentions all the time with things we want to accomplish, things we want to do, but yet then the reality happens <laughs> in the middle of, of that process. Yeah, life happens, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can say, I want to eat better, but then you're going to come home after working a 10-hour day and you're going to be tired. You're not going to have the right groceries. You're not going to want to cook, right? So you're going to order Uber Eats or you're going to eat just something really quickly that isn't potentially as nutritious or as healthy as the past self of you would have wished, right? So we've got these two types of goals. We got approach goals and avoidance goals. Approach ones being positive things that we wish to do or obtain or something like that. Um, and avoidance ones being things we want to obviously avoid and, and not do. So commitment devices, you mentioned there's four different types. Does the type of commitment device that we engage with or set up for ourselves, I guess, or set up for somebody else, does that is that contingent on what type of goal we're trying to achieve? No. Oh, so okay. These four different types can be used for both types of goals. So I'll go through the four types, then we can talk about lots of examples because I think the examples here are really fun. Um, oh, I yeah. can see you getting getting jazzed. I love this. I think this is just such a cool way. And I just, I wish everybody had to take economics because it's such a useful tool. But I'll, <laughs> maybe I'm overstating it, but I think it's a really fun subject you're, and you get to a, learn lots of things. A, a disciple of economics. I suppose so. So all that to say, the first one, the classic one are financial incentives, right? So financial commitment devices. And this works really well because people tend to be quite loss averse, what we call loss averse. All that means is that people tend to weigh losses more heavily than gains, right? If you lose $100, people feel that more viscerally than gaining $100, so the same $100. So people are very motivated not to lose something, right? And so if you take advantage of this fact of our psychology about the way that we respond or in, in, are incentivized to behave, if you set yourself up so that the thing you want to do is attached to some kind of potential loss or kind of if you do that thing, you don't lose something, you're very motivated to do that thing. And the classic example is where like if you say, I want to, for example, I think the classic example of this was some screenwriter who said, I want to write this the, the screenplay within five weeks. And if I don't do that, I'm going to donate $1,000. I think it was to the NRA. I can't remember exactly who this was. A cause they didn't, cause they didn't like. agree with, right? And that was the key is that they really didn't want to lose this $1,000 to a, a cause you don't care about or yeah. are or are potentially actively not a supporter of. Yeah. Well, what's this? So under financial, I see in the show note, uh, you have... Budget commitments I used to used to make to Chris. Yeah. What, what, what is so that? This is an example. Remember. Do you remember I used to send you like a weekly intention for what I wanted oh, to accomplish yeah, yeah. for my thesis, right? I think I, we even talked about this on the uh, early episodes of the pod. Yeah, this would have been really early days. By the way, uh, quick bit of housekeeping. You used to only be able to see a, a hundred episodes in the, the podcast player. And so people were writing in. I can't listen from the start. Now you can. Now now <laughs> the last 300 episodes will be displayed. But anyway, sorry, um, your weekly intention. Yeah. So I gave an example of this financial incentive. So there was one in our life, in my life, I've used this when I was trying to get progress on, done on my thesis. I would send you at the beginning of the week what my commitments were for what I wanted to accomplish on my thesis. 
And if I didn't do those things, I had to transfer $50 to you. Like I had to give you in our budget. In our personal budget. In our personal budget. So I had to send you $50 of my own monthly budget, which is a lot of money. So it's very motivating. I loved when you didn't uh, (laughs) achieve your goals back then. But it meant I was very motivated to try to accomplish that goal. Yeah. And so that's the whole idea of financial commitment. You can either, you can take advantage of this loss aversion. So you can either say like, I will lose this money for to some cause I don't agree with, or I have to pay a friend, or I have to commit to some kind of financial penalty if I don't do Hmm. something I'm set to. So whether it's maybe if I smoke this week, I'm going to have to pay some fine. Um, that's a kind of classic example of these financial incentives. Um, I know it, there's, so we're going to give a couple of papers in the show notes. One oh, of these yeah. came Th- from... These actually look quite interesting. I know. That's yeah. why I included them. But there was an opinion piece from, um, I think this is on Harvard Business Journal. I think it was Harvard. <laughs> it's basically, there was this article from a couple of scholars at Harvard where they talked about summarizing how um, commitment devices have been used to change like health behavior. Um, and this is something that can be, they they highlight that kind of forfeiting money to, if you don't meet some kind of like health goal, if you're trying to lose weight or something like that, yeah. um, assuming that's healthy for you, um, then putting some kind of contract that has a financial penalty can help you align those incentives, right? You're saying right now, I am committing to becoming healthier and future you is going to run into all sorts of problems that will make that hard, right? You're going to be tired. You're going to be busy. Life happens. That's why we don't have all of our goals all achieved already. You're going to want Uber Eats. You're going to want Uber Eats. You'll get the notification that there's a deal, $10 off, next five orders. That's a different problem. So all that to say, these commitments, these financial contracts you make with a future self, help your future self do the thing that you wanted to do when you wrote the contract in the first place. Mm. So whether that's quitting smoking or whether that's committing to some kind of productivity goal, these financial incentives can be helpful. And stick, uh, stick K.com is yeah, how a, would you pronounce it? stick I think with it's an just stick.com, but yeah. it's with an extra K. Um, so stick.com is a, it was one of the first tools that really did this. Um, And it basically just gives you a way to set up that contract with yourself where you have to, if you don't say that you did something by the time that you've committed to doing something, your money is going to go to a different cause. And it might not be a cause you, you support, right? Like that's the motivating factor. If it's sending money to a cause you already really care about, then that's probably not as motivating because it's not purely a loss, right? So that's the idea. There has to be some kind of loss associated with not following through with your intention. If you go to the website... $64 $64 million on the line right now. Different people have pledged with their goals. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's an awful lot of money. Wow. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Going the- to charities that people hate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's a good example of how this can be used for both like approach goals and avoidance goals, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can use that to incentivize more activity. You can use that to incentivize more productivity if you want to have a writing goal or if you want to commit to a certain amount of running or uh, writing, sorry, um, or whatever other work activity you're you're embarking on. But you can also use it to incentivize some kind of thing you're trying to avoid, right? Like you have to pay this if you smoke or if you... um, I saw one example... In one of the papers, so the other paper we're gonna we're gonna send or include in the show notes, it talks about how like the classic runners problem, where if you're running, it's very easy for you to just say, "Oh, I'll just walk this part. I'm tired, whatever," um, and stop running and start walking. 
And I find that you could have a friend that says, if you commit, I'm going to pay you a thousand dollars. If I stop Whoa. walking, if I stop running and start, that's obviously a very a extreme. Wow. That's a very extreme. This is like a, and Bill Gates, this bet. is a hyperbole at the, as they set up the paper, <laughs> but, um, that would be an example of a commitment to try to avoid walking on your run. Yeah, so that's cool. an example of these financial, um, commitment devices. This reminds me, you know, uh, Thomas Frank, the YouTuber guy. Yeah. Who we always say is like a, a, a dark haired version of me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a great YouTube channel. I, I, I don't know if it's still called College Info Geek, um, but he's doing a lot of Notion stuff. Notion is this fascinating note taking app uh, for coordinating with other people. What, what he did is he scheduled a tweet to go out in the morning. And so, so he had to wake up before the tweet went out. And the tweet said something along the lines of, um, okay, like if you see this tweet, it means I have not woken up this morning uh, on time. And so the first five people that reply to it will get like $50 or something. It's kind of like a forcing function for waking up early. Yeah, a forcing function in the way you just used it is basically another word for a commitment device. Oh, pretty, okay. So yeah. I got it, yeah. Yeah, you definitely know what these are. I yeah. just We're putting a label on something people already intuitively understand. Well, it's interesting because all of these are, are like the productivity things that are floating around in the ether, like ideas like loss aversion, ideas like, um, well, any, any form of commitment device. It's just now it has this category that it can be nested under. And it sounds like a, a really interesting one. It's, it's fun to know the underpinnings of it. But fi- yeah. financial is the first type of four. Yeah, and the one you just described, so this exi- idea of like what? a tweet that oh. you... Um, Unintentional segue. also has a financial incentive. It's actually a good example of something that has both social components and financial components. So Socioeconomic. Uh, that's not really where I'm going, but okay. sure. Um, social commitment, <laughs> I'll shut up now. Social commitment <laughs> devices are another example where um, these are basically just taking it, uh, advantage of the fact that people, people feel social pressure, right? They feel mm. pressure to um, basically... Impress? I don't know if that's the word, but um, have some kind of positive social interaction with save, people they care about. Uh, save face. They yeah, care about face. Save face. Well, that's a very negative way of putting no, this, but I don't know. because it can also take advantage of the fact that you don't want to le- let your like friends and colleagues down. Yeah. So that's a very real pressure. People feel the the motivation to kind of ha- make people around them happy or impress to some extent, mm-hmm. impress other people too, right? We hate feeling embarrassed in front of people that we care about, whether that's online or in person. And so we can use that to our advantage if we're trying to set up a commitment device. The tweet thing is a great example mm-hmm. where that is also, there's motivation to not publicly admit or publicly make aware that you didn't commit or follow through with one of your intentions, right? That's the Thomas Frank example. Yeah. Um, another similar example with that. So I know I have an accountability group of other junior professors all around the world that, um, are also working towards tenure. And every week we check in, say what our goals are for the week and check in with how it went every week, every week. Nice. And I am so motivated to not be the person who says, I got nothing done. I didn't accomplish anything this week. I'm very motivated in every week to be able to say, I got this and this done. Um, I felt made a lot of progress. And so when I find myself, like if there's a moment where I am thinking, oh, like, do I, I don't want to keep working on this right now. Every now and then I will think, actually, I really want to be able to say I did this this week because I want to, I want to, I don't want to like 
let my group down, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. very similar with things like study groups, for example. Lots of people make plans to have study groups with people so that they are pressured to do the work, the preparation, so they don't let their study group down, right? They don't want to be the one that comes to study group and didn't prepare or do the work. Um, they want to have been prepared and get, they can get there so they don't let everybody down or embarrass themselves in front of everyone else. So these are examples of how you can use social pressure. You can also tell friends things. People do this all the time on Blue Sky and Econ Twitter. You Focus see this. mate as well. Hmm. You get that social pressure, somebody watching over your metaphorical shoulder almost as you work. Yeah. So actually that that could be an example where you've you've chosen to your past self at the top of the hour signs in for this meeting because mm-hmm. For the rest of the hour, you want to be committed to like doing the work. And if you don't, there's some kind of social embarrassment of you like leaving in the middle of a focus make call, yeah. which would be, yeah, that's a very good example. So again, in this way, it can both promote approach goals and also dis, like um, disincentivize avoidance goals, where if you want to get more done, you can tell people you're going to accomplish more things. If you don't want to do something, you can tell people, I'm not going to do these things. Um and that, that social pressure is what incentivizes you to do that. Cool. The last one, the last type that people typically talk about. Well, the fourth one is a bit of an asterisk because okay. not everybody would include this as a commitment. So gotcha. the third one um, is friction. So basically, <laughs> Chris That's is friction. rubbing his hands together to show friction. Contributing a lot to this <laughs> podcast. So friction is basically we can either reduce friction or we can add friction. So um, this is example. So a good example of like making something more difficult to to do. So whether we make it more difficult to do the thing that we don't want to do, or we make it a lot easier to do the thing that we want to do. Right. So thinking now about how we can either remove pressure, or remove friction from the things we want to do, or add friction so it's harder to do the things we don't want to do. And so if we think about like approach goals, so these would be things like, I want to eat better. If we go back to the example of you're really tired, you know, right now it's Sunday night, you know that on Thursday you teach late and you're going to be tired after class because you're always tired after class. If that's the case, you can say, I know that I need to cook now and have something very easy to like warm up in the fridge for when I get home. Cause I know I'll be hungry quickly. Like I know I'll be hungry after class. And I know I will not have the energy to cook, so I'm going to have something in the fridge that I know I can cook or get easily ready and also have something healthy. Yeah. So I'm I'm removing friction for the future. If instead there was something like I want to, for example, um, I want to make it harder to um, procrastinate online. I want to waste less time on, on the internet. I can use things like freedom, which... Yeah, you can get around freedom, like freedom.com, which is basically, it takes over your browser if you try to go to a website that you've quote unquote blocked. Um, and so your past self picks the websites you don't think are productive. And so knowing that your future self will just kind of mindlessly drift to Twitter or Blue Sky or Facebook or whatever your vice of choice is online, um, your past self can set up blocks using things like freedom or rescue time or I'm cold sure there turkey. Are, or cold turkey. There are many, many self control. Self control. You could also go all the extreme way and totally reset your passwords, right? Um, I mean, you and I have done this in the past yeah. where we've reset each other's passwords for things that we didn't want to use when we were really focused on something. Or, or you open up a text file 
and then you mash on your keyboard for, <laughs> for a little while, copy that, paste that when you reset your password. So you'll have to actually go through the whole rigmarole of resetting your entire password for a website if you want access to it again. Um, th- this one reminds me the f- the friction of a story. I think Sean Acor shared this in one of his books where he wanted to learn guitar, but he mm. found that it's always so much work to pick up the guitar and, and do it. So he bought a guitar stand for like 10 bucks or that, however much a guitar stand costs. What could a guitar st- stand cost? $12,000? Um, <laughs> so he bought a guitar stand and he just left his guitar by his uh, desk all day long. So it was literally five seconds away. And when he had a break, he could pick it up. He could put it back down. It wasn't in a case in a different room. Mm-hmm. The, the less amount of friction, I, I don't know if he's a, a masterful guitar player or anything at this point, but I'd imagine it helped. Yeah. That's a a brilliant example of like trying to reduce friction for the thing that you want to accomplish. So for me, I mean, this is a very small example, but I know I want to just when I want to start my day, I want there to be zero friction. So I have the apps open and the like web or the pages open, whether it's my R code or whether it's whatever document I'm going to be working on tomorrow, it's already open on on my desktop when I get to my computer. So there is zero friction for me to get into my work right away. So like I prep my computer so it's ready for me for what I'm working on the next day when I get to my office. Mm. So that's just a very small example, but you can do this in many different ways, right? These are just a couple of examples, but the first step here is to figure out like where there's a gap between what you want to accomplish now and what you know your future self will or will not be tempted to do, right? Mm. Um, So if you can start to think about how you can make those things easier to do in the future that you want to do or make the things you don't want to do harder, um, those are easy things you can do now to just nudge yourself in the future into doing the things that you currently feel are really important. Um, But that's a really important thing is like it has to be voluntary for this to be like this can't be like a huge costly thing for you to do. It has to be something you really want to do. It has to be voluntary. Yeah. Um, oh, good. So financial, social, friction. Those are the big three that people tend to talk about. The so what, what is the asterisk? The and last one is... And why are, is it are an what, asterisk? Yeah. So in this Brian Carlin and Nelson paper, those are the last names of the authors on this paper. Um, it's in the annual review, uh, annual reviews of economics. Is that how we say this? Sounds good. I think that's the name of the journal. It's a really good journal, yeah. though, but it's from... It's funny. I've only ever seen the acronym. I'm just realizing now I don't know what the acronym stands oh. for. Um, but it's a, it was published in 2010 and basically just summarized what the literature is telling us at that point about commitment devices. Um, and this is a pretty well-cited paper at this point. It's been shared far and wide. But all that to say, they talk about these kind of soft commitments, where the other three are kind of harder commitments... Um, soft commitments basically identify the fact that like certain behaviors are coupled with other things, right? Like they're complements to other activities. So whereas if you, if there are, if you find yourself overeating at particular events, like sporting events or movies are a classic example of this, where people tend to eat a lot when they are at these particular venues, or they tend to drink too much with certain people or smoke too much with certain people, um, or more, maybe more thoughtful with certain people, right? Like it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Some people have a very positive impact on your behavior, the way you feel. Um, and also like that there are also settings, like maybe there are particular stores or malls that you are just 
mindlessly spending more. The Apple Store. <laughs> I feel like you'd never buy anything at the Apple Store. You just go there and look at stuff. Because I've already bought it. <laughs> no, that's not true. You're yeah. a very conscious uh, spender, yeah, actually. I, I guess so I'd say that. I wouldn't throw yourself under the bus. Okay. Um, but all that to say, a more soft commitment would be for you to basically commit to not going to those places that promote the behavior mm, you're trying to avoid. The impulse. Or seek out those devices. So not everybody talks about this when you talk about commitment device. And it doesn't, and I say, I put an asterisk on this one because it doesn't fit exactly with the others. But it's this similar idea where you just start to think about this, like your goal is if you're trying to stop smoking, maybe spending less time with the people who smoke is a way of accomplishing that. It could so, almost, a lot of it could almost be nested under social if it's about social contagion and surrounding yourself with the right people. But it also sounds like some are environmental factors. So like avoiding certain environments or shaping your environment to be more conducive, which might be on, under friction, right? But mm, it's, it's kind worth of, kind of pulling them out? Kind of. So I think yeah. with the social, like social um, commitment devices have to involve some kind of like social penalty. Like there's a social contract, okay. right? Like I will feel like my friends will be disappointed in me or will, yeah, feel let down if I don't do follow through with whatever I've committed to them, either online or in person yeah. or what, through whatever way I tell them. Um, so there's there's a social contract more, more so. And okay. whereas this like social pressure is kind of the environment and you're, your commitment devices just to avoid those things. So that's why I put an asterisk on it, but I think it's worth mentioning because I think this this paper is just really interesting. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, but the main thing is uh, it actually works. Oh. <laughs> There's lots and lots of literature that shows that this is actually really effective. How but, much? Uh, what? How effective? I don't have a number for that. Oh, okay. But they're really, um, this review paper gives a good example of some... Um, like field experiments and also lab experiments that show this is really effective for people who are actually trying to set goals. Oh, good. We'll link to the paper in the show notes. Awesome. And a PDF if we can find it from a, a legal source. Why, why are, okay, quick question for you. Mm -hmm. Why are some journal articles posted publicly and others are behind the paywall of the journal? Is it really just dependent on the journal you submit to or is there a period of time that it's owned by the journal for, then you can mm -hmm. release it out or... I think it varies a lot by journal and some authors can pay for um, like some journals allow authors to pay for um, pub open access, okay. um, but open access fees for some journals can be extremely expensive, like thousands and thousands of dollars. So mm. um, yeah, they're not all like some journals do promote um, like a wider open access. Oftentimes you can also email um certain like some authors are able to send it to you directly but um typically that's not that's not usually the way you, you get papers so good to know um i'm not sure if this is open access but we'll send you a link so you can go see and, and if, if not it is, everybody can email the author i wouldn't They'll recommend that, that. <laughs> but you could reach out to your local university library and see if they have a, a suggestion for how you could access it Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Is it good reading? Do you think the average think uh, non-academic would enjoy it? Yes, I do. Good. Mm -hmm. Econ Corner. Mm -hmm. We haven't had an Econ Corner in a while. Mm -hmm. The last one was on, I don't even remember, sunk cost? I think we did a whole, we did one episode on three different economics topics and uh, one of them okay. were 
not making decisions based on sunk costs. This is good. This encapsulates a lot. The financial, the social, the friction, the soft commitments, regardless of what you're trying to achieve, approach, avoid, you can do it all with a commitment device, Mm -hmm. trademarked, all rights reserved. No, it's not trademarked. (laughs) This is a very old term. (laughs) It's nice to know that there's an overarching category and field of research for these disparate or seemingly disparate topics. I mean, people have been talking about this idea for thousands of years. Like this is literally in Greek mythology, like the classic (laughs) example of like Odysseus where, you know, the siren song, which was so beautiful that everybody just couldn't help themselves and went directly to go see the sirens and then they all die. Yeah. Um, And Odysseus in the myths tied himself to the mast of his, his boat and made sure everybody on his boat had wax in their ears so they didn't get caught up in the song. Him being tied to the mast is exactly a commitment device, right? He wanted, he knew the future self would be like totally drawn in and be lured in by the sirens and then committed to this by, I think there's also some like examples that are pretty famous from like ancient war. There's some general in, in ancient China that as a commitment device had his, I want to say like he made his army basically back against a river so that they had to fight. Like there was nowhere else for them to go, which is very morbid, but that's a very extreme commitment device and arguably not super voluntary, but burning the ships. I don't know what Another that one. is. What's burning the ships? I don't know. I didn't expect you to ask that. <laughs> but, but the old uh, saying, which I'm going to butcher now, but essentially when you get somewhere, you burn the ships so you don't have an option but to move forward. It's a very extreme commitment device. It is. It's like skinning a cat. Why are you adding more analogies to this analogy? Because they're terrible analogies. Oh, that's your point, is that these are both bad analogies. Or kill two birds with one stone. Why are you killing birds? Why don't you just (laughs) hit them? Anyway, that's time and attention for you. Time and attention.fm, the domain name actually renewed a few weeks ago. And uh, those longtime listeners know I like to complain about the price of the domain name, which was over $100 Canadian. Arden's shaking her head. She's like, why are you? Yeah, it's time to get over this. All right. But I just paid again. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, timeandattention.fm. If you want to uh, luxuriate in the domain name, then uh, check out all the previous episodes of the podcast. And now, in your player of choice, you can go all the way back to episode number zero and uh, check out previous episodes of the pod. Take take the ones that you find interesting. You know, give, give it a little scroll down the app. Um, timeandattention.fm, finishing up. We'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.